Welcome to Movie Music, a podcast where we explore the world of film and with film reveals about our world. I'm Quentin. And I'm Demetrius. Today we're going to talk about Critical Sensation, Uncut Gems, the movie from the Safdie Brothers featuring Adam Sandler, a huge gem from A24. Hey! Uh, <laughs> before we talk about that, we are going to react to this year's Oscar nominations. So we got that earlier this week. Um, we we had, uh, as every year, there were some, some highlights and then a lot of people also confused and frustrated at other things. Uh, did you have any uh, upfront reactions to what you saw, Demetrius? Um, I thought, uh, overall, I think this year was a little bit less competitive of a year for film in general um, when it came to award season. Uh, it felt like last year there was a lot more stuff to be like, oh my gosh, this wasn't included, or I can't believe they didn't think about this movie, or yeah. um, will they be looking at these movies from April and May that I thought were amazing? Uh, this year uh, was was seemed to be more typical of a year where the big, you know, huge films that are trying to get Oscar buzz came out towards the end of the year and there was not a ton of other critical gems that were towards the beginning of the year. Uh, I was, I did have some disappointments though. Um, we can kind of get into that in a little bit, but there were the biggest thing for me, honestly, that I was really blown away with was that the Apollo 11 documentary didn't get any recognition in any way. And I, I, I honestly thought that that was one of the most more interesting and great like impactful films that came out this year wow yeah it really feels like the documentary category has been kind of washed ever since uh active killing didn't even win back in yeah. 2014 uh and then another one that comes to mind is they shall not grow old the uh world war one yes. documentary by peter jackson it's amazing it, it is groundbreaking yeah. it is not only a well-crafted uh, account of the world war one from the british perspective but it is absolutely groundbreaking from a color restoration standpoint and a sound design perspective and i guess it came out in a certain time of the year where it was too late for the previous year's oscars but i guess it just got overlooked for the following year and that's yeah. crazy to me. Didn't even get that, movie, that movie was really interesting too, and, and it's too bad that yeah. that things like that happen. Yeah, I guess so. And that's just a reminder that as much weight and as, uh, as much stock as we put in the Oscars, obviously at the end of the day, it, some things are just going to get overlooked. Sometimes they're just going to be wrong. So you know, yeah. <laughs> take it. It's like it with a grain of salt. So uh, wrong, wrong in wrong in quotes. I got you know like what we perceive as wrong. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, we are we are yeah. men with fine taste here. Uh, yeah, exactly. We try to be anyway. Um, okay, well let's let's uh, let's talk about just kind of the uh, the highlights here. So in in best picture, this seems like this was a, all right another year. Nine nominees for best picture, in spite of there being ten yeah. slots. Who knows why that is? Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, we have Ford v Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Parasite, and 1917. So a fairly, fairly eclectic list here. Uh, for yeah, I mean, I guess the, di the thing that I did like about the category was it is diverse. There's a lot of different things going on. It's not wall one type of movie. I was really happy that Parasite was nominated for as many things as it yeah, was. Yeah, it got six, six nominations for Parasite. That's, uh, yeah. that's a big deal. 
Yeah, and that's one of my favorite movies of the year. So I, I was happy I got the nod. I'm a little bit nervous with the things that were snubbed and uh, what else has been nominated. That I don't. I'm worried that Parasite doesn't really stand a chance in this category, which is upsetting to me. Um, but uh, did, was there anything that jumped off the page before I get into any of my complaints? Was there anything that jumped off the page to you in this category that you were either pleased with or that you thought was kind of out, kind of weird, out of place <laughs> well, in the category? So I think that it, it, I think this is just going to be a conduit to everything else. But the most controversial film of the year was Joker, and it, it inspired new controversy in the films communities here by getting 11 nominations. That's, that's a, it is a lot of nominations for this movie. And, um, you know, the precedent has had been set. I mean, Black Panther got a lot of big nominations. Uh, even before then, Logan had been nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. So now this is... Uh, it, it, I, I guess it, it, I find the, the we could do an entire episode on the Joker and it, it, we would spend more time discussing just the response to it than anything in the, in the film. <laughs> the movie is so simple and straightforward and to me it, it really isn't especially controversial but I think that I think that there are, it says a lot about uh, I think where we're at right now socially and just you, some people walk away from that movie and they say, well, that's, that's pretty straightforward. The Joker is a victim. He got, he was victimized. Uh, everybody in that movie was uh, a villain in some way. Other people might say that he is, it's a portrait of someone that is inciting violence in a way. And it's glamorizing uh, somebody who's downtrodden and who is really doing a lot of, things that are both morally wrong and violent and uh, potentially, uh, I think some people have felt uh, racially problematic and just because of the characters. And particularly when, when you look at the lack of diversity amongst the, the greater field of nominees and this being such a controversial picture, I think mm. this, that's, this is where yeah. 90% of the takes have been, uh, have been surrounding yeah. the, the response to Joker. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And, and you know, I, I'm kind of I'm not necessarily against the the Academy trying to throw a bone to the popular film of the year. And, and Joker was I mean, it made over a billion dollars right. at the box office. So it was one of the more popular films this year. Um, but I, 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 I get I, I caution us. Uh, from from starting to revere things that are not as good as others, <laughs> but I, but I, I mean I guess maybe some people think that this is I mean I know online some people think that this was the best movie that's come out in, in decades. It's, so well, so um, it objectively is not that good a movie. It's interesting. It's not it, to me. It was more just oh this was an interesting concept, super well acted. It's not. It's yeah, it's like, and and I, I like the I like the angle they took for it. Like conceptually, it has some interesting things yeah. going on. But the idea that yeah. it got nominated for best director, best picture, best like all the yeah. are you kidding Can me? Very confused, especially oh. especially because uh, you know on a whole, we I know on the podcast last year we were all we you know not not so much Matt but you and I were a little bit ho hum on Black Panther being nominated for best picture, but that movie critically was received much much better yes. than the Joker and, and and was seen to be a much 
better film than the Joker was seen, and it garnered way less nominations. Right. It was nominated for Best Picture, yes. but it was not nominated for Best Director, Best you know all these other right. things. So it's a little bit confusing to see this happen, I, and and it. I can see where people are drawing the ties between lack of diversity and lack of inclusion and the nomination of this film because when you look at the nominees this year, it does seem like there's been a step backwards taken in inclusion and diversity in choices of nomination this year. And also consider that the director, Todd Phillips, has not done himself any favors. He's made some kind of short-sighted remarks publicly about why he wasn't making a straight-up comedy because he's the guy who he made The Hangover, he made movies like that. And he's just like, you know, people, everybody's so politically correct nowadays and you can't joke about anything. And so kind of trying to frame himself as this kind of a victim because victim, people are pushed yeah. back against him saying stupid things. Joaquin Phoenix is seen as a similar guy. I think Joaquin Phoenix is a way more nuanced, complicated person because he's just not good in front of a camera but i think that a lot of and people, he has his own issues sure so yeah. i think that, yeah. that people are for many reasons just kind of perplexed why joker got all these nominees nominations yeah. from both a technical yeah. standpoint and from a cultural yeah. standpoint so i hear that i think i think that i think that i would just say that the response to it tried to make it a worse thing than it was and i don't yeah. think i think that people aren't necessarily giving it the credit that it deserves like you know uh, if Joaquin Phoenix were to win Best Actor, he'd be the second person to to do so for portraying mm -hmm. a well-known character, which is almost unheard of. The only other time that's happened was in The Godfather with Vito Corleone. That's how iconic yeah, Joker is. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, in my point of view for this film, the, the, nom the nomination and if won award that makes the most sense is, is the Joaquin Phoenix Best Actor yep. Award because it was, it was a transformative role and, and, and his performance really saves that movie and makes it a good movie instead of like a completely mediocre film. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, I'm sure people would say that that's that is a ridiculous opinion, but that that's how I feel. Sure. Um, and, and you know, uh, leaking leaking into the other categories, you know, out out from here, the, the the nomination for best director for me just makes no sense when I, I, I think the it's a huge miss to not have Greta Gerwig in there for, for little women. I, I, I don't think that that's really a hot take right now. I think a lot of people are saying that on the internet, mm -hmm. but I have to agree. And it may be a little bit of recency bias because I've just seen that film a couple of days ago, but I, I went into that movie being interested in it, but I'm not a huge period piece guy. Um, and the direction in that movie made it extremely watchable and extremely accessible for me. Uh, and I really enjoyed the story and was in, and easily got invested in, in the characters. Um, so, and I think that that was mostly due to the direction, uh, from my point of view. And, and I'm very, I, I was really confused as to why she saw no d director nod there and, 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 Todd, Todd Phillips saw, saw one for the Joker. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 uh, I completely agree. At least she got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. Yeah. And I think what you have to give Greta Gerwig a ton of credit because she she approaches the craft of direction as an actor first and foremost, but she mm -hmm. has such an amazing ability to tell these stories that she not only writes herself but, but films herself. And these yep. are long-spanning episodic stories, whether it's – Little Women or it's Lady Bird and they are they she, 
there are so many scenes in them, but they all yeah. flow, and the pacing is amazing. That's they flow incredibly yeah. difficult to do. And yeah, uh, I'm, I, yeah. I, I never once felt bored or felt that the movie was getting slow at all. And, and I feel like a book that that's based on a, uh, 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 an older novel, Louisa May Alcott. Yeah, that, that's very long. Um, could can get slow, and 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 it, and it wasn't slow. The story yeah. was. It felt very full of energy, very well developed, and, but and and I felt like I was interested, and, and I'm kind of on the edge of my seat for the entire time. Yeah, and I I uh, I have bias towards that genre. I'm not particularly fond of them. I tend to conflate a lot of the Jane Austen adaptations into all the same kind of movie. I know that's not the case. I know this is a different era. I know this is American. It's not British. I just have always often, whenever I have watched movies like that, they always kind of felt like soap operas just told in a different yeah. time period. This didn't feel like that at all. It had a lot of heart. I enjoyed that one a lot. I was glad it got six Oscar nominations. And let me tell yes, you, deserved. what a breakout yep. year for Florence Pugh. She went from basically being a virtual unknown to uh, to absolutely killing it in Midsommar as the star yeah. of that and getting her first yeah. Oscar nomination for uh, portraying Amy in that film in this one. Yeah. And, 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 and tangentially related when we're talking about breakout years and good years, what, a, if you look at this year, what a year for Laura Dern. I feel like she was in everything this year. Yeah. That, is, that was, that was good. Right. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, but, um, getting, but getting back to the, I guess, best picture to ground us in the conversation that, that, Something that I was really disappointed. A couple other things that I was really disappointed in. Uh, one of them we'll be talking about in this episode is that uh, Uncut Gems did not see any nominations, it's which crazy, uh, which was really crazy to me. It was one of my top five movies this year for, for 2019. Um, and I, it, between the acting and the direction and and uh, the the cinematography, I was really surprised that it didn't see anything. Uh, even a, even a like one, some some one nomination one acknowledgement yeah. of the good work, uh, and then along with that, um, I was really disappointed that the farewell did not see any nominations either. I, I I really enjoyed that movie and thought it was pretty unique and interesting and and written well. Yep. Um, so I I was surprised to not see that be featured in any way in, in in the nominations too yeah that's it's weird that bombshell got a disproportionate about of love that you know you got yeah you got all these uh, acting nominees uh and yeah nothing for the farewell i will the the one you know small triumph i will say for the for the little man it was uh in best cinematography the lighthouse got nominated uh that's yes. really <laughs> cool because uh you know that's shot in you know really really old school super tight square frame rate it looks amazing uh that was one of, that was a movie i thoroughly enjoyed this year uh was not expecting that to be the kind of film that would get big nominations and, and it was and you know it was kind of a horror movie so a horror movie got it's, a yeah uh, very a, a, a nod. right 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 so uh yeah. yeah i i mean i think a lot of people have gripes about different things uh i don't really have that many all things considered the biggest one is going to be as you said our transition for talking about the main event here uncut gems uh nothing absolutely nothing not even best original screenplay you know you can't necessarily expect picture or director but for months people have been hyping up adam sandler in this to the point where he publicly joked that he said you know if i don't get nominated for this i'm gonna make a really bad movie gonna go back to that uh 
I, so I guess I'll have to go back to that. I guess he's going to have to go back to that gig. I mean, where he's just making yeah. bank doing these uh, Netflix pictures, which are garbage. But I'll yeah. tell you, yeah. this was this was amazing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Have, have you seen anything else by the Softy Brothers? Yeah, I, I saw was Good Time by them as well. Yes, with Robert Pattinson. Yeah, yeah, with Robert Pattinson. I, I saw Good Time, and and I was I was reminded of that movie throughout this one uh the, mostly from the feeling like i was going to have an anxiety attack watching the movie <laughs> the entire time <laughs> but um what they have they clearly have their own style which yeah. i really enjoy i mean it's fantastic well, and, and i think the first thing that i would say is that i haven't seen good time but i i'm i am aware of of kind of the general synopsis and that you know, it's this quintessential new york movie that one's kind of more based on long island where i grew up yeah but uh Uncut Gems, that is a quintessential New York movie. It's set in the Diamond District, uh, you know, Adam Sandler and his family, you know, or this, you know, the Jewish family getting all these tropes in there and all of these, uh, all these things which are these, this taste of, of, of New York, which, uh, I know both of us have probably experienced a few times over in the time that we've spent yeah. in this city. Both of us being yeah. from New York growing up outside the city, but, uh, it was so interesting because it, it made me think even just like the first few minutes of watching this. Yes, I was interested in the character and where it was going, but it, I, I was favorably reminded of when I saw uh, the first episode of Luke Cage where it just it's set in a barber shop in Harlem and they're just talking like, oh, man, this actually feels like I'm in New York right now. It's 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 weird to describe because there's so many movies that are in New York, but it's more like that. You could literally be shooting there. But it could just be otherwise a story that could happen other places. But this felt like it could only happen there. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I think one of the big things that I, I had seen critically was that it, it, it put kind of, you know, Judaism and Jewish culture front and center for a lot of the movie. Um, and it wasn't ashamed of it. And, and, you know, it was just part of who the characters were and what the movie was. And there were quite a large contingent of reviewers and people in the Jewish community in New York, especially who were super psyched on this movie because they felt like, you know, they had not necessarily been marginalized in film, but just not portrayed in the most realistic sense. And they were really excited to have a film that was just like for them that they were enjoying uh, and that others were enjoying too. And it's really, it's really disappointing that, um, you know, it didn't get more recognition because it was really, it was a very original um, plot. It was a cool story. It, It was, it was simple and the goals of the characters were simple, but the relationships of the characters and how they interacted with each other were very complex and very interesting and 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 like at times like palm sweat inducing <laughs> absolutely and you look at uh you look at this this whole thing you know Adam Sandler he portrays this uh, jeweler called Howard, and he works in one of these high end stores and uh, it's just every every impulse, every moment of his life, he's just trying to win whatever whatever this thing is. He is he yeah. is somebody that he he uh, he likes the finer things in life. He's got to get that extra dollar. Uh, but I think he is so fixated on that that he just has absolutely no notion of consequences for what he's doing because he has he has. A real problem. I mean, this guy is. I mean, he's. 
He's a, has a huge gambling problem, and he never knows when to stop. Yeah, he never knows when to stop. Even even at times, he, I mean, without really, I, will, I mean, I guess we can say, like, spoilers. There's really no major spoiler for this film until until the end, and we can warn the listeners yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you know, many, he has debt issues because we assume because of his gambling. Um, or maybe he's made bad monetary decisions in the past. It's unclear. But he's given the opportunity to get out of the debt several times. Uh, and and he gets very close to it, and at the last minute he's like, "Well, what if I spent my money doing this right. other thing, or what if I yep. gambled on this game?" Yep. Yep. And and it screws him each time, and it's it's and it's like having your teeth extracted watching. Oh, it's, it's so painful, and and especially because you get you kind of see how this. It, it's not he's not you know in a vacuum. He has a family, and this is imp- every one of these decisions that he's making has these different ripple effects. And it's interesting because other movies that you might see, they might give more time trying to explain the background or how he got yeah. to where he was, but not real. This one you're just a fly on the wall. And so oh, yeah. when you're not out with him when he's trying to make a deal or he's out at a nightclub or he's with his he's with his girlfriend you see him or his kids well you i'm just gonna say he's with his family he's either talking to his wife or he's with his with his kids he's never really invested in the moment and you see these moments where he's able to briefly turn off the noise and he wants and in his mind he's making this effort to genuinely connect with someone but you just know that he said it a million times before and it's just a sad echo and they're just not having it and it's very it's very painful yeah yeah, it is really painful. And it, 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 it watching him um, try and either reconcile with people or make a responsible decision, either about money or the people that he has relationships with. He gets he either it's been made clear that he cannot reconcile a relationship because he's been so bad in the past, or he's tried to say I'm sorry so many times and he didn't mean it, or he's making this decision that he thinks he's going to actually change, and you can tell just from either foreshadowing or the way he's acting, that he's just not going to go through with it. And, and, and he really cannot, he cannot help himself. No. It's really, it's really hard to watch because you can tell his character is very talented, very intelligent, very good at, at, at the business that he does. Right. Um, but he can't help himself. He can't help his, his vices and his urges. And those things will, you know, undercut any intelligence or um, business savviness he has at the end right. of the day. And of course, you know you can't you can't talk about this movie without talking about basketball. Uh, it, it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's so interesting because just being a being a fan, like I'm not as into NBA as I'm into NFL, but I will tell you that it definitely rang true from just the sports fandom aspect where he is just i mean obviously he gambles on these basketball games but the main client that he is trying to coax here is kevin garnett this uh you know this hall of fame (laughs) talent from the celtics and this was set back in 2012 back when he was still playing garnett plays himself actually rather well he's like he's a good actor in this movie oh yeah i was really impressed with him and i thought it was hilarious that that this um, movie took place over the the NBA playoffs in 2012. 
yeah. and 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 that they took snippets of interviews and and uh, commentary and and were able to weave them into the plot line and have them make sense. I, the 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 um, especially the interview at the end of the movie where. Um, Kevin Garnett talks about The Rock. Yes. Um, which, which. Not to be confused with know, Dwayne Johnson. He's referring to. Not, yeah. Which obviously he's talking, you know, in, in the interview, he probably was talking about the basket, the basketball, The Rock. Oh. Um, but, but for, for the, but for the, uh, for the movie's sake, it was hilarious that they were able to take a real interview and blend it into the fact that Kevin Garnett was trying to purchase this rare gem from Adam Sandler's, Adam Sandler for the entire movie. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because when you hear interviews with the Softy brothers, they talk about how at different times they had been trying to get this movie made for the better part of 10 years. They had uh, gotten it to, to Sandler's agent multiple times. They had strong passes the, at the offset uh, at how, when, whenever they came back to him. And they were also earlier on in their career. So I think it would have been fair just because they were untested at the time. But yeah. at the different stages, yeah. they weren't initially trying to get Kevin Garnett. They kind of imagined different scenarios where they would write – around different real-life players they could get into it. So initially, one of the people they had wanted to get was the Amari Stoudemire, who eventually, you know, he ended up playing for the Knicks back around 2009, 2000, maybe a little, maybe a little before. But he's notably, uh, he's a he's a black Jewish guy, which would have been a very interesting uh, touch to this film. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, this this fit in perfectly. I, I don't know who would have done a better job as like a real NBA All Star talent. Yeah, that's true. And honestly, like. I feel like Kevin Garnett took this job um, to maybe like have the opportunity to act in the future, and he he definitely will have that opportunity if he wants it because yeah. he did such a good job, both both comically, um, you know, tension. He was able to build tension in his character, um, and he was able to evoke all different types of emotion very easily, even non-verbally. Yep. Um, I was really impressed because I, I mean I don't know if he's acted before. I don't I don't think I've seen him in anything, so I was really impressed. Well, and we have to give. I mean. Uh, there was an, a newcomer, Julia Fox, who portrays Adam Sandler's girlfriend, also Julia, who's really good. Uh, she was a really interesting, multifaceted character who, you know, you could just – in other films, she might be relegated to like, oh, she's just the side girl. Or if, if – I mean, like I've seen enough crime movies where people, they have their girlfriend, but they don't really have much of a personality of their own. But she was a very interesting character. Yeah, definitely attributed a lot to the plot, um, and she was way more complex. Uh, even her trying to, you know, start her own business and market herself at different points in the movie, right. and um, yeah, I, I found it to be really interesting her her character, and and I, I'm I'm sure we'll see more of her in the future. But I think really the most impressive thing about this movie, and similar to Good Time, was the compact cast. Like there, it didn't feel like. There was a lot of actors and a lot of characters in this movie that you had to pay attention to, um, but the story is just the story between the few characters is just so complex that it drives the plot very heavily. Um, and the, you know, I, I especially look at the. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was a birthday party scene, but the 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 party scene where he where Adam Sandler is at his family his his wife's house. 
and uh, and the wife's family is there, and the person who he owes a large sum of money to happens to be, you know, possibly marrying into the family. Um, and there's just so much tension as they're staring at each other across the living room. Uh, and, and Adam Sandler knows that, you know, he owes this guy a ton of money. The other, but, but for some reason he thinks he's going to talk his, his way out of it somehow. And meanwhile, the, you know, the debt collector is staring at him and, and he, you know, we have no idea what his intentions are going to be, but if we, but we've seen enough of these movies to know that he, he has no problem. He's going to have no problem using violence to take whatever he needs. Um, and, and, you know, those character driven moments really define this movie for me and really make it what it is critically interesting, you know, and, and different and unique. And I also would say that this movie earns major points for me <laughs> by, by star. I think it's the only movie that I've ever seen that opens with a colonoscopy. Well, yeah, it wouldn't have been a true Adam Sandler film if there was zero butt humor, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that was a great decision that they made because when you think about it, when you when you think of all these in uh, these crazy decisions that uh, Howard is making throughout this film, and how he'll get he'll get hyper focused on one thing, but then other important things will fall under the rug, or he's just all these issues that he's creating that were preventable, and the things that concern him are often not the really what matter at the end of the day like he is he gets so devastated that you know that wine gets poured into the fish tank that that's you know (laughs) there's so many bigger problems but that's like that's a high-end fish tank it might kill the fish uh but note that when all all of this stuff you know this is more than halfway through the film craziness has ensued he's in worse he's in worse standing with the loan sharks He's made He's another, been beaten up. Yeah, more poor decisions. Things are going awry with his girlfriend and his family. But he gets a call from the doctor that we haven't heard a thing about since the opening scene, basically. It, it says, hey, Howard, you're all right. It's a good thing you came in, though, for this colonoscopy. You know, your, your family's prone to it, but you can breathe easy now. But the thing is, we haven't even thought about that because he hasn't. And even in that call, he's just like, oh, that's great. This guy. And, like, he's just, you know, torn in so many different directions. And it took me, you know, a little bit to think about why that was so important because I, I was uh, I was thinking about, like, man, that was such a random thing to put in there. But, like, of course, of course <laughs> they had to put that in there because that's something he should have been worried about and spending time talking about and thinking about as this movie was going on. But, oh, no, nope, had to gamble more. Yeah, and I think what in another way that it's interesting is that he – in an area where he knows he could be at risk, you know, getting colon cancer, he takes the preventative measure of going to get a colonoscopy when he's supposed to. But in, in many other areas, like don't take out loans from a loan shark or when you get enough money to pay off the loan shark, pay off the loan shark. Don't go gambling with the loan shark's money. He doesn't stop himself from doing any of those obvious things. But for some but but he can see, you know, he can see far ahead of the benefit of, you know, Pre, pre, you know, treating something ahead of time, but he can't save himself from, you know, things that are far more pressing, possibly, and far more dangerous to deal with. But, 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 but he'll go see his doctor. Right. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and, I, and I think this is all this all works because uh, Adam Sandler was very believable. Uh, they're, they're, it, it's interesting because the, everybody talks about how oh Adam Sandler he he he'll do the occasional serious role and he'll knock it out of the park. You know, Punch Drunk Love he's very good in that movie. I'm sure there's another example that I'm not thinking of, but uh, he, this is. Uh, it felt like a perfect one of the great casting decisions ever made. Now, granted, they also wrote the part with him, basically him as the in only mind. option. But I think that is a really important thing to consider. Just that, uh, just who you pick for this. You could have gotten an equally talented. You could have gotten somebody who was a, a, a comparable talent to Sandler, but they might not have had his mannerisms, his idiosyncrasies, his timing, his life experience. Uh, this this was... It's really fun to watch movies like this that know exactly how to use all of the tools that a performer has at their disposal. Yeah, and talking about you know his, his portrayal of the character, <laughs> what I thought was interesting is... I would love to watch this movie and try and figure out mathematically what percentage of his lines were were screened. <laughs> uh, I think it's like seventy oh, yeah. percent of his of, of his because he's such an intense person, you know. And one of the things that really defined this movie for me and made it a very like New York movie and a very um, like you know not really a crime movie but uh but like a hustle movie um was just like it seemed like everyone was always yelling and rushing at all times uh yeah. like adam, you know adam sandler's character howard he's trying to like turn people over in the jewelry store he's accepting an order for something he is on the phone with somebody who's he, who he's in debt to he's trying to place a bet with his bookie he is trying to repair something in his shop it, you know a million things are happening at one time and they're all kind of being screamed either through a phone or at another person you know, or at the audience. Uh, It's almost, you know, the thing that I think this movie does really well is it really imparts on the viewer, uh, the dizzying feeling of how Howard must live his life every day. And also they talk about just scouting out the diamond district. I think that that is a realistic pace for how some of these places operate and that uh-huh. some of these characters that you might meet either behind the counter or shopping there. Uh, it yeah. feels, I think that's, I think that was pretty real, but then just also if you take the most extreme and like the where you know, combine that lifestyle and that vocation with somebody who's hugely flawed and just, uh, if you just think about it, what another example of somebody who the very, the very characteristics that. Uh, are an impediment to him also have probably made him very good at his job. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that for, for some. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, Did you, by the way, appreciate uh, Francesca's, uh, Mike Francesca's uh, uh, yeah, cameo? As a New York sports fan, he, you know, he's a well-known yeah. radio personality <laughs> who's always talking about, like, oh, you, man, these guys are a disappointment. They're a joke. The Jets, the Giants, the, the Mets, what are we going to do? You know, I went to see this movie with my brother-in-law, who's not from the Northeast. He's from Kentucky. And, and he, <laughs> I almost jumped out of my chair in shock when I saw 
when I first saw Mike on the screen. Yeah. And, I, and then I had to quickly, in a hushed tone, explain why my reaction right. was so intense. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that was... I really, I mean, I really enjoyed the uh, the inclusion of him, I, and and the fact that he was a sports betting bookie was was even funnier. So, um, so I thought that was great. I, you know, it just added another layer of enjoyment to the movie for me personally. Sure. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's talk about the big turn at the end here because uh, yes. I think I, I, I distinctly remember that right before we get to the biggest decision that uh, Howard makes. There's this moment, you know, this there's there's this better part of 10, 15 minutes that he's in his office and he's finally breaks down and cries. Uh, and it is both it is both really heavy. But then also I remember the most laughs happening during this time. I think <laughs> just in the audience, it was really surreal, just or not even surreal, but just it, it's funny that they all happened in one of the most intense parts of the movie because they didn't really, a lot of it you might like, there might've been something funny, but it's not a movie that gives you time to breathe. As I understand no. it, this, this movie, the script was 160 pages for a 90 minute film and roughly, wow. a, roughly a page comports to one minute in movie time. A lot of it. That's just, wow. it's just, there's so much that's happening. There's so much, it's just, it's, it's rapid fire. There's, and you don't have time to register at all of the time but just remember people getting belly laughs when we're just like what what, what are you doing man what come on well you know you even know that this is you're in too deep yeah yeah i know and, and it's so true with the the no rest and i think really you know now that we will we'll say again that we're heading into major we're heading into the one area that's a major spoiler territory yes. now um, th- 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 those fifteen minutes you, th- are really the epitome of the, of the character for me because you he he's gotten you know Kevin Garnett he's he's convinced him to come back uh, and and purchase this gem from him he's real you know Adam Sandler is, has throughout the entire movie Howard his his character has been so scatterbrained and distracted and making bad decisions that he has set himself up for failure with this gem that's supposed to be worth tons of money. It, it ends up being valued very, very Like I think he, he was estimating the value was going to be around a million dollars. And it turns out that because he was not able to get his own estimator in there and he, you know, it's unclear whether he got a good one or whether he got bad information. Um, it ends up being valued at something like a little bit less than $200,000, which is a huge, Huge, huge loss, mostly mentally for him because he didn't have to pay that that much for it. Um, but then he is able to convince Kevin Garnett to come back and buy it from him for I think he like for two seventy or two sixty or one seventy one sixty something like that. Silly. But but it's it's enough to absolve him of of his debts and you know he'll be able to live another day, maybe work these relationships again, get another gem, who knows, and. He's got Kevin Garnett in his office. He's got the money. Everything's fine. Yes. And and he and he talks himself yeah. out of paying the debt. Right. Uh and, and he know his 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 debt uh, collectors are literally standing in the next room right. waiting for him knowing that he's doing this transaction right. to get them their their money. And he knowingly talks his way uh, talks himself out and of giving them the money. It's important to specify and, that he talks to himself but in a way that he's kind of he's, he's kind of uh, 
he's bargaining with Kevin Garnett yes. in a way. Like, yes. He's basically talking at Garnett, as you say, almost deluding himself. And Garnett's just kind of looking at him in, in a bit of shock and confusion, but also just very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he gambles the entire sum on whether Kevin Garnett is going to win this game for the Celtics. Um, throw, you know, throwing the money, throwing the money literally out a window, yeah. literally out because a window. Because he knows he won't be, uh, he, he would not be able to get it down an elevator to get it through the bookies and the loan sharks. Yeah, and and has his girlfriend fly it to Mohegan Sun, uh, and, and bet it on and bet it on the game, uh, and, and then we have a sequence where we sweat for fifteen minutes in the theater watching. Um, Kevin Garnett actually do what Adam Sandler yeah. bet he would think do. About, as, think as about he, that, how much they got you invested, not only in a game that happened years yeah. ago, but just that yeah. and somebody else's bet on an old game in real time. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's got the um, the loan collectors locked in his you know entry vestibule for the jewelry store, the, the yeah. secure entry. Right. Um, and, and he wins and, right. and the, um, and the head loan shark guy is, I don't know if he's a loan shark, but a, a lender guy right. is, is like pretty stoked and he can't believe it. Right. Um, but then, you know, uh, spoilers because of Adam Sandler's kind of explosive attitude and bad decisions along the way, he has garnered very, very bad relationships with one of the bounce, one of the uh, henchmen for the loan, the 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 um, lender, and the guy just like out of malice shoots him in the head. It's crazy, and and what's and when I was watching this happen, I was thinking to myself, I don't think these guys are going to go quietly. But it's such it is it is a huge accomplishment of this film that even though it is obvious that this cannot possibly end well for Howard, that in that moment you feel such a high alongside yeah. Howard. You feel such a sense of triumph and you and you genuinely see some feeling of that this could be absolved just looking yeah. at them that you believe that that could be that could be a scenario that you're able to yep. get into his head for a moment, even knowing everything that you know about him, you know that he's so wrong. You know that he's so reckless and irresponsible, but in that moment you're in his head. So it makes sense that he would just let them out right, right away, knowing that they already were <laughs> armed and had shot at the bulletproof glass and he takes one right to the head and it's over. And, the rest is just everything, you know. His 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 uh his his brother-in-law or whatever. He he's uh, he is shocked that that the henchman would do this, and he ends up getting shot by that henchman too when he when he puts up, you know, he makes a, a fuss out of that, and the rest yep. is just kind of like, oh, what what do, <laughs> what do, what do I make of all this? <laughs> Yeah, the, the you know the henchmen are like, let's make this look like a robbery. They steal a bunch of diamonds. They they themse- the the two guys who steal the diamonds and shoot Adam uh, Howard and his his brother in law who lent him the money, um, not like are owed nothing. They 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 don't have you know Adam Howard doesn't have a debt to them. Um, they they're just like pissed uh, because he because of his character and the way he's acted right. the entire movie towards them making very irresponsible decisions to kind of puff up his chest at these people who are armed and yeah. could hurt him at any time. And they do hurt him multiple um, times. <laughs> and they do hurt him multiple times. Uh, and, and so at the end of the day, I mean, he has this big triumphant moment, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and, you know, the, I think that it's really interesting. The one time he actually really succeeds 
in all of his like convoluted gambling and and risk behavior, he, it, it doesn't matter because he loses his life. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it is such a it is such a stressful and painful movie, but it is also such an invigorating and hilarious movie, and. I it's an it is amazingly paced. It was one of my favorite movies of the year, and it if if it was it was so deserving of some Oscar nominations. So it's unfortunate that that even with the big you know even with the hype that it got that it did that did yeah. not happen. Yeah, yeah, and and it got if I remember correctly, I think it got a Golden Globe nomination. I don't remember. I think it did. Um, I know Sandler wasn't but, nominated, but I, it might have been for something. Yeah, maybe it was for something. Um, but I, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was disappointed to see that that it didn't get anything. It, it, I think that it was a really rare uh, movie uh, for for this year in its time, uh, and, and now I'm, I'm sad that you know. I, I mean, I'll enjoy it in the future, but I'm sad that it won't get any more recognition because it truly deserves it. Yeah. Yep. Well. Any uh, any closing thoughts on Uncut Gems here? Um, definitely watch this, but don't if you've already had caffeine for the day. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, yeah, you might have some cardiac arrest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then also definitely watch uh, Good Time by these the same that guys. Is, uh, that, that high up on my list. I'll be I'll yeah. Be excited I, to see I would that. recommend that to you and our listeners. It was if you liked Uncut Gems, you will like that movie. It's very similar in in in, a, in, in all good ways, but also different in a, in a lot of good ways too. Well, great. That should wrap up our discussion of Uncut Gems. Suffice it to say, we are big fans, and if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, it's worth it for the ride, I will tell you. Yes, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still looking for that Waterboy sequel. <laughs> of course, that, that, now I have to say that, of course, his, uh, you know... Kathy Bates was nominated this year, so he gave, he gave her a shout out. Like you know, congrats to Mama. I didn't get Sandman didn't get anything, but congrats to her. So yes, it all comes back to Sandler, I guess. That's uh, our takeaway here. It does. That should wrap up our episode on Uncut Gems. If you like what you hear, you can check out more of our work. We are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, and we are on SoundCloud. You can feel free to check us out. We are on Facebook as well as Twitter, and you can see our written content on Medium, all of which can be found under Movie Music. Thanks so much for listening.